canceling a pride parade because you can't shake your stuff for children? Come on. Putting the Ten Commandments in schools? Maybe not. And the CDC is trying to rewrite history. What else is new? Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Monday. It's a public holiday here where I live in Malaysia. And uh, yeah, everybody's off work. It's Hari Raya. It's uh, Raya going on. The month of Ramadan is over. And uh, so, yeah, everybody thinks it's very, very busy out there. We went to dinner tonight and it was jammed. Every restaurant was full, which is great to see. But uh, yeah, it's it's very busy. Uh, hey, protect your online activity with the best and the easiest VPN. NordVPN. Use our special link. It's in the show notes. And you will get an incredible deal. Three months at 59% off. Nord. VPN. All right, let's get you up to date on our favorite furry little friend. We do that off the top of the show every show. And that's our Miko update. Miko is our little three-year-old Shiba Inu baby. And because, once again, we've got fireworks tonight, she's right down there beside my chair, and she won't leave. So she's been pawing at me to pick her up, but no, because once I put her in my lap, she won't get down. Anyway, last night, we had a great time. We went to Odessa Park City, and she met up with a bunch of friends. We had all kinds of... We took a big, long walk around the park. It's a great, pet-friendly park, Odessa Park City. And uh, we had a really good time. Kiefer, nice to see you. And uh, also... When we got back, we stopped by and picked up some food, and she was beside herself because one of her daddies took off and left me alone. So she was very, very upset. But um, anyway, she got a couple of good pictures in, so she was happy about that. And uh, today we uh, we had a good walk, too. We went a couple of rounds across the park. And she's doing very well because of the fireworks, and she's all stressed. She's not eating very well. But, you know, she's eating enough to maintain. I did buy her, by the way, one of those thunder coats, they call it. It's like this wrap that we have a wrap on her right now, but it's basically an ace bandage. Does the same thing. But, uh, yeah, we, we, I just bought her one online, and so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Our Miko update is brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox, BarkBox.com slash Miko. It's a monthly subscription service. You sign up for it. Go check them out. Even if you don't buy anything, I don't care. Just check them out. Uh, Well, I do care. You should buy something, and you will be very happy, and more importantly, your dog will be very happy. Every month, they have a themed box of treats and goodies for your dog. It comes right to your door. You sign up for a multi-month subscription. You, You can sign up for just one month. But if you sign up for six months or 12 months, then you'll get an extra month free if you use our link, BarkBox.com slash Miko. Two toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew in the box every month special. Check out all their different monthly themes and all the great, uh, look at this. Here's, uh, let's see, oh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, Given thanks, that was Thanksgiving. Coral Ruff. 
Halloween party. You see, everyone has a different, uh, different... Look at these toys. They are amazing. And your dogs will like them. And they're designed especially for your dog. So it is great. Look at this one. Barkbuster movie night. It's showtime. <laughs> cool. So that is BarkBox.com. And again, like I said, if you use our link, you'll get that special deal of a free extra month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. All right. We got so much going on tonight and I got so much to cover. I'm sure I'm going to get through it all. It's going to take a while. Uh, all the links to everything that we talk about are in our show notes, so you can always go read the whole article. We don't re usually read the whole article. We leave a little bit for you to research. But uh, there has one of the uh, top stories has been uh, the happenings down in Florida because they have, um, they have passed some legislation which basically says that uh, tr drag queens cannot do shows for kids because frankly in my humble opinion drag queens have no reason or need to be doing shows which are basically sexually oriented for children um you know I, drag queen story hour i don't have that much of a problem with it it's almost like um, what is it in the uk that they do uh, i forget what it's called a good friend of mine is involved in it. I can't remember now what it's what it is. But anyway, it, check this out. It's from Red State, and the link is in our show notes tonight. The LGBT Pride Parade in Florida, one of them anyway, has been canceled for incredibly weird reasons. An LGBT Pride Parade has been canceled in the Florida city of Port St. Lucie. And the reason is both incredibly odd and concerning. Uh, according to the Associated Press, the Price Alliance of the Treasure Coast decided to cancel the parade and restrict other events. And this is in response to Governor DeSantis signing a bill which is meant to basically protect children from sexualized performances. Drag shows were at the forefront of this legislative push, but a lot of the things happened at Pride events might very well qualify. What's the headline of the article? Well, think about how odd and concerning. The reasoning here is, when you consider how easy it would be just not to run afoul of the new law in Florida, why would this Pride parade need to be canceled if there were no plans to expose children to sexual content, you can have a pride parade. In fact, I encourage you to have a pride parade. When I was with the Monroe County Sheriff's Department, I was a member of legal law enforcement gay and lesbian. And uh, we had a unit in the Key West Pride Parade. And I marched with pride. Uh, and there was nothing sexual about the pride parade. It was just a bunch of folks getting together, having a good time. There was no sexual content. So what is the issue if you're not planning on doing anything sexual in your floats, etc., in the pride parade? Uh, it's just not that difficult not to get naked in front of kids, nor should you. 
the Pride Alliance is taking its ball and basically going home uh, over a law that hasn't even gone into effect yet, by the way. Uh, they, uh, if they never had an intention of crossing any red lines, then why cancel? <laughs> Here's the perfect meme. Florida, hey, can you have a parade, but you can't do sex stuff in front of kids? The parade. Well, now I'm not doing it. <laughs> the cancellation of the parade, subsequent hand-wringing, essentially an admission that, in spite claims to the contrary, uh, the LGB events often, lately, not in the past, but lately, since this whole ridiculous trans movement has taken over, which is a shame, after all of the great strides and accomplishments that the LGB community has, has done in the last 20, 30 years, to have it ruined by a bunch of psychotic nutcases is just, it's a shame. Uh, basically, if, if you're not planning on doing anything, anything sexual, then why cancel the parade? Tells me you were planning on doing something sexual. And why? What is the need? There is no need. This is ridiculous. Our number one rule on this show is you do you. I'll do me. You do you. I don't give a crap. Whatever. But that doesn't mean I have to play your game. I'll play my game. You play yours. For the moment, this one town in Florida, children are protected because DeSantis continues to operate at the forefront of the culture wars. Uh, all Republicans could take a a, a hint from this. Um, the GOP's got to keep the pressure on. The moment you let up, they're going to win. You can't let up. And this group truly has gone above and beyond. There was absolutely no reason whatsoever to cancel this pride parade. Uh, and it's just looking bad on you, so... You makes your bed, you lies in it, as the saying goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of which, this is kind of a connected story, isn't it? Uh, man. This is from uh, bombardsbodylanguage.com. This is cool. You know, there's a group of guys on YouTube called the Body Language Experts. They are so cool. There's four guys, and they will they will take videotape of mostly famous people or criminals, uh, and they will analyze their body their body language experts. This is Bombard's body language, and this is so cool. You remember who this is? This is the vice president of marketing or whatever she is. Um, yeah, the vice president of Bud Light Marketing, who now has either been put on a sabbatical or fired. Bud Light has still, or Anheuser-Busch has still to apologize for their stupidity. But uh, I, I'm going to play just a little bit of this. Let me see. Here, Here we, we go. go. Watch. Well, Alyssa Heinerscheid, I'm not quite sure that name, the VP of Bud Light. And there's a part in this interview I think sums it up perfectly on why she makes the decisions she makes. We'll watch a little bit of it, but this part in and of itself should tell you everything you need to know. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think we were really connecting because of, you know, our connection to the South and, you know, being raised in the South and then moving to New York City, I'm sure is a big transition for you. How, what do you think the moments were that made you kind of rethink that and rethink some of your values? And what were some of those aha moments that made you think like, okay, I think I can change the narrative a little bit? Oh my gosh. Well, I think I've only started doing it in my 30s, to mm-hmm. be totally honest. I'm 39. It's probably taken me a decade to figure this out. I'm still unraveling <laughs> it, like the who and the why. Yeah. But I have this amazing um, professional coach and she said this thing to me and she said, the number one indicator of your professional choices is your parents. And the number one indicator of your success in those choices is your choice of partner. Okay. So, so anyway, I'm, I'm not, not going to go, go on and on and play this moron talk, 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 talk. This site is a body language expert. And later on in the video, she critiques this body language and lets you know exactly what's behind what's really going on. It's fascinating. And by the way, yes, this studio is soundproof but not soundproof for very close fireworks. And you hear that? Those are the idiots next door who have been blasting these huge fireworks every night for the last four or five nights, bugging the crap out of my dog. Celebrate, you do you. But you know, there comes a point where it's just a little over the top. And this is over the top. It's insane. All right, anyway, check out the link. It's in our show notes. You really got to watch the video. It doesn't mean too much on audio, but when you watch the video and you check this out, it is amazing. And some of the uh, some of the insights that this body language expert uh, gets into and talks about, <laughs> fascinating. All right, uh, got a tweet for you. <laughs> Speaking of Bud Light and this Mulvaney idiot, this is from Dr. Eli David. It's a public tweet, obviously. Um, but check out this picture because it's, it's a classic. Can you spot the transgender in this photograph? Of course you can't. Because transgendered people look just like everybody else. In fact, if you look at this photograph, it's nearly impossible to tell which one of these six people would be... Oh, you, you can tell? Hmm. Well, because, you know, I've been told that they're just, they look like everybody else. Interesting. I put the link to that in our show notes, too. Just a quick little... A little blip there. Share that with your friends. (laughs) Oh, man. Things are changing, though. They're starting to pass laws and things that uh, are slowly, hopefully, going to get things back to normal. Hey, Bill Maher. You know, I wasn't a fan, and I'm kind of half a fan, half not a fan. He does do one thing well, and that is that while he is a leftist, He will call a spade a spade. The left does something stupid, he'll come out with it. And Bill Maher (laughs) came up with something called the Cajones Awards. Um, Cajones, for those of you who don't know Spanish, basically means uh, balls, okay? 
anyway, outstanding achievement in fighting against woke, the Cajones Awards, only from Bill Maher, for outstanding achievement in growing a pair. A uh, real-time host went there on Friday for uh, one uh, for whatever reasons. Uh, Blaze Media reported Maher uh, honored the brave few people in companies that have taken a stand against culture, uh, cancel culture. The alluring acerbic comedian and political commentator, uh, commentator hosted the Cajones Awards, although he quips that the actual award was solid brass balls. Maher delivered the first Cajone Awards to Martha Pollack, the president of his alma mater, Cornell, who steadfastly defended the freedom of speech against woke activists who've been trying to cancel conservative speakers at the college. Here's uh, Pollock as described by The Blaze. It is critical to our mission as a university, this is Pollock, to think deeply about freedom of expression and the challenges that result from assaults on it which today come from both ends of the political spectrum. Learning from difference, learning to engage with difference, and learning to communicate across differences are key parts of a Cornell education. This is a smart woman. Free expression and academic freedom are the bedrock, not just of the university, but of democracy. And Maher said, she didn't cave in. She didn't hire a new dean of sensitivity. She just said, no, college is for introducing you to new ideas, not for kissing your ass, making you feel all special and wonderful, and making you feel that you're always right. So there were more awards given out. Trader Joe's, Ben Stiller, Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos for standing up to the outrage mob that came out against uh, Dave Chappelle. It was great. Uh, there's a couple clips in here and more information about the Cajones Awards from, uh, from Bill Maher. It's great. Really cool. Read the whole article. It is in our show notes tonight. All right. What else we got? Uh, from the dailywire.com. Guess who's back in the news? It's the murdering fool Bill Gates. He predicts that AI will teach reading and writing. You hear that? You hear that bullcrap? Still, these idiot neighbors telling you. I just ignore it. Okay, Bill Gates predicts that AI will teach reading and writing within 18 months. Now, frankly, anything Bill Gates says... Uh, he's probably got some behind-the-scenes bullcrap going on to try and make that so. Uh, technology, artificial intelligence, will play an integral role in the education system within 18 months, and you better hope not, because AI... <laughs> We did a show about the dangers of AI. We told you how AI may very well literally kill us all. Go back and watch. 
Business leaders and officials have reeled in the week since the advent of ChatGPT, a mass-market AI system that can draft emails, write code, all in a matter of seconds. Now, I'm t- I will tell you, honestly, there is some of this AI which is incredibly useful. I don't completely trust it yet, nor do I think I ever will. But I have completely replaced my Google searches with one of the AIs. I, I forget now which one it is. I don't have my phone here. But one of the it's, it's a chat AI, which you can set up and ask it questions. And it does a far better job than Google of finding you the things you're looking for on the net. It's absolutely brilliant. So there are, in fact, our thumbnails for our show are all done with Art AI, a couple of different sites that I use. And so obviously to provide, to protect against any copyright images and things, I create original artwork using uh, AI for our thumbnails. Uh, Anyway, uh, good old Bill Gates says, what a good teacher does is Take your essay and mark it up and say, oh, this isn't clear, and the summary should have included this. This is high cognitive exercise software, except at the really trivial kind of grammar level, uh, has essentially zero, the multi-billionaire noted, particularly once you get out of a very templated writing exercise. The amount of feedback to help me improve my writing is very low, and AI is very good at that. Anything that this idiot approves of and endorses, like vaccines, I have to question. Sorry, pal, but you have already established your reputation for for a lot of bullcrap. So, consequently, anything else you have to say, I'm going to take a step back and wonder what's in it for you because it's always something you want to read that article go ahead and read it. it's in our show notes tonight you can check it out um <clears throat> another one that <laughs> that made the show notes tonight uh this is odd i i you're probably not going to agree with me uh, because mostly conservatives are watching the show and, and that's fine. And you don't, like I said, you, you do you. Uh, you don't need to agree all the time. That's how discussions happen. That's how we arrive at different opinions. I am totally not in favor of this because I believe in an absolute, absolute division between church and state. The state, in my humble opinion, should not be involved, as the Constitution says, in the establishment of a religion, whatever that religion might be. Now, I'm not so stupid as to not realize that a great deal of the founding of our nation was based on Christianity, and it is scattered throughout But there is that little thing that says, shall not establish a religion, which means it can't have an opinion one way or the other. And as much as the Ten Commandments are not just a Christian thing, if you didn't know that, I don't think this is right. 
Texas Senate has approved putting the Ten Commandments in public schools. Senator Phil King, Republican, says, I think this would be a healthy step for Texas to bring back this tradition of recognizing America's religious heritage. Yes, America has a religious heritage, but the government should not be in the business of promoting any religion. It should be completely non-secular. Uh, and this, this is not the case anymore. The Texas Senate's approved a measure to display the Ten Commandments in public classrooms. Uh, after the upper chamber advanced the plan in a, a Thursday party line 17 to 12 vote, it now heads to the state house for consideration. The Ten Commandments, who doesn't know this, but just in case, are a series of um, dictates said to have been revealed to the prophet Moses while at the top of Mount Sinai in what is today modern Egypt. A lot of Christian Jewish schools of thought view them as foundational to moral law, and indeed they are, but they are part of a religious belief, and as such, I don't think they belong in schools. Now, if you run a Christian school or a Catholic school, different story, but a public school funded by public money shouldn't be there. The tenants themselves appear in chapter 20 of the book of Exodus, and uh, the proposal has the support of the lieutenant governor who said that bringing back the Ten Commandments and prayer into our schools, public schools, will enable students to become better Texans. The upper chamber also Thursday passed a bill empowering school districts to require that schools provide time for students to pray or read a religious text. Now, okay, I don't have so much of a problem with that. If you want to provide some time, but be prepared because you are gonna you are gonna have students who face Mecca and get down and in their Islamic way are praying. And Christians and Jewish people and Buddhists and everybody else. So be prepared. If you're gonna run down that road you better be ready for it. I just, again, I am a strict, a strict uh, belief. Oh, man, this is unbelievable how stupid these idiots are. I believe very strongly that the government has absolutely zero business getting involved in any religious activity. Sadly, that's not the case. I may be a pretty much dyed-in-the-wool conservative, but not when it comes to that. It's just, it shouldn't be. All right. We mentioned earlier the CDC that is doing their best to rewrite history, and why shouldn't they? Because if history records accurately what the CDC has been up to for the last several years, it really won't look very good for them. <laughs> the FDA... Uh, the FDA has ditched two-dose framework as Americans, and especially children, ignore the bivalence. Young women face non-mRNA vaccine death risk, according to a study 
that echoes the Florida analysis. And the CDC director is rewriting the history of COVID vaccines as uptakes plummet and side effect research mounds. As the feds abandon a one-size-fits-all COVID-19 vaccine strategy in the face of plunging booster updates because the truth is coming out and nobody wants the clot shot crap, growing research on very serious adverse reactions, the first government payments to victims, uh, novel therapeutics, the CDC director is basically trying to rewrite history. In a hearing Wednesday... The House Appropriations Committee heard from Rochelle Walensky. Uh, This is the agency that funds her agency that COVID vaccines only stopped preventing transmission of the virus due to an evolution of science, contradicting her own agency's uncertainty about the products during the early mass vaccination campaign and its contemporaneous data. This exchange, prompted by Representative Andrew Clyde, a Republican from Georgia, reminding Walensky that she told MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, (laughs) that CDC data suggested vaccinated people do not carry the virus or get sick based on both clinical trials and real-world data. She responded the statement was true at the time, uh-huh, and the wild-type virus was dominant, but then revised it, saying even if they got sick, infected people could not transmit COVID because of the evolution of the virus. That, of course, is no longer true. Hearing watchers quickly noted the CDC pulled the rug out from Molinsky three days after her Maddow interview, In a statement of the New York Times, the evidence isn't clear on transmission by fully vaccinated people, which is possible, according to the agency. Goes on and on. There's some Twitter feeds here, but basically, as usual, it's called CYA, which stands for Cover Your Ass. That's exactly what they're doing because they have no way out. They done been caught lying. And rewriting history isn't going to help. All right. We got lots more going on. We have our book coming up in just a minute. Right now, we're going to end, kind of end. I got one more link to share with you. But this is, we always like to bring you some good news story. And I saw this earlier this week. I wanted to share it. Actually, over the weekend. It's from Heartwarming. We get a lot of our good news stories from heartwarming.com. A teenagers, no, a group of teenagers who stopped at a traffic light see a girl staring at them in another car for an unbelievable reason. Two teens called 911 after they saw a kidnapping victim begging for help from inside a car They described the dreadful chase and how they were afraid for their lives when the kidnappers saw them. There's the two guys there. Jamal Harris, 17 years old, was a passenger in Aaron Aria's car, Aaron's 19, 
when he looked over at another vehicle at a stoplight. And a blonde lady in the back seat he thought was pretty. But when Jamal took a closer look, he realized something was very wrong. The lady was mouthing the words, Help me. The modest glimpse led to a 12-minute car hunt, a panicky 911 call, and the arrest of Charles Atkins Lewis Jr., who had supposedly forced this 25-year-old woman into her own car at a gunpoint in Dallas. Those are the two teens. Man. Brave guys. They described what they were driving through the Segoville as they went to collect a friend from work. Jamal spotted the woman in the car. He was looking at the lady, thinking she was pretty. Asked his friend, hey, check out the lady next next car. We well, could tell from her facial expression that she was telling him very grave and mouthing, help me. He told Aaron what he was seeing, but his friend wasn't convinced. They needed to attend driving. But Aaron became suspicious when the light turned green and the car took off too fast. Aaron saw the woman hitting the back window to get their attention, so he decided to follow. They called 911, described what they'd seen. Aaron told the operator they were on the highway and thought they were witnessing a kidnapping. All of a sudden, the kidnapper is turning back, looking at them. <sighs> Scary toast. Both teams said they'd do the same thing again. They confessed they began to feel more worried towards the end of the chase, the kidnapper knowing he was being followed. Officers arrived on the scene minutes later, pulled the car over, and the woman was taken to safety by police officers. They found a gun and a knife inside the car when they uh, apprehended her alleged kidnapper, Charles Atkin Lewis, Jr., that is him. Wow. She was saved. She was rescued thanks to the quick thinking and brave action of these amazing two teams down there in Texas. Wow, wow, wow. That's insane. It's a great story. All right. One more thing. Before we get into our book, and uh, by way of explanation, we have for 353 shows now read books on this show we do the classics we've done the wizard of oz peter pan the little prince alice in wonderland uh you name it so many great books over the uh, years and uh, we continue a chapter or part of a chapter at a time till we get to the end of the book and then we move on to our next book Coming up, we had a suggestion from one of our viewers that we uh, do 1984 from George Orwell brilliant idea especially with everything all the crap going on in the world today so when we're done with white fang which is going to be very soon we will begin 1984 from george orwell but check this out i i'm always looking for stories like this and this is scary reading is an invaluable skill which is one of the reasons why i started reading books as at the end of this show because i i wanted to encourage you to read, but also, more importantly, your kids to read, or you to read to your kids, which studies have shown that even if you can't get your kid to crack a book, if you make an event out of it and you read a book to them, the stuff that goes on in your brain 
when you listen to someone reading to you is nearly the same as if they were reading themselves. Scary part is that the numbers are insane. 32 million adults in America are considered to be illiterate, cannot read. 14% of the entire adult population can't read. Are you kidding me? On a global scale, illiteracy affects 774 million adults age 15 or older. Among developed nations, the U.S. ranks 16th. That ain't very good for adult reading skills. Wow. Between 40 and 44 million adults, roughly 20 to 23% of adults in the U.S., are limited to reading at a very basic or below basic proficiency levels. Man, what has happened? Women are more likely to develop solid reading skills. Around 38% of men report reading at the lowest proficiency levels, compared to 33% for women. That's a big difference. That is very scary data. Wow. Read. Learn to read. Do everything you can to read to your kids. Encourage them to read. Buy them books. Get them books. If you can't get them to crack open a physical book, which in my opinion is the best way, get them a Kindle, whatever it might be, put an app on their phone, dump the TikTok, and get them reading books. All right. The book we've been doing has been White Fang. It was first published back in 1906 by Jack London. And we are on the fifth part, which is the final. And this is chapter three of part five. It's called The God's Domain. Not only was White Fang adaptable by nature, but he'd traveled much knew the meaning and necessity of adjustment. Here in Sierra Vista, which was the name of Judge Scott's place, White Fang quickly began to make himself at home. He had no further serious trouble with the dogs. They knew more about the ways of the Southland gods than did he, and in their eyes he'd qualified when he accompanied the gods inside the house. Wolf that he was, and unprecedented as it was, the gods had sanctioned his presence, and they, the dog of the gods, could only recognize this sanction. Dick, perforce, had to go through a few stiff formalities at first, after which he calmly accepted White Fang as an addition to the premises. Had Dick had his way, they would have all been good friends, all but White Fang was adverse to friendship. All he asked of other dogs was to be let alone. His whole life he'd kept aloof from his kind, and he still desired to keep aloof. Dick's overtures bothered him, so he snarled Dick away. In the north, he'd learned the lesson that he must let the master's dogs alone. And he didn't forget that lesson now. But he insisted on his own privacy and self-seclusion, and so thoroughly ignored Dick that 
good-natured creature finally gave up on him and scarcely took as much interest in him as in the hitching post near the stable. Not so with Collie. While she accepted him because it was the mandate of the gods, there was no reason that she should leave him in peace. Woven into her being was the memory of countless crimes he and his had perpetrated against her ancestry. Not in a day nor a generation were the ravaged sheepfolds to be forgotten. All this was a spur to her, prickling her to retaliation. She could not fly in the face of the gods who permitted him, but that did not prevent her from making life miserable for him in petty ways. A feud, ages old, was between them, and she, for one, would see to it that he was reminded. So, Kali took advantage of her sex to pick upon White Fang and maltreat him. His instinct wouldn't permit him to attack her, while her persistence wouldn't permit him to ignore her. When she rushed at him, he turned his fur-protected shoulder to her sharp teeth and walked away, stiff-legged, stately. When she forced him too hard, he was compelled to go about in a circle, his shoulder presented to her, his head turned from her, and on his face and in his eyes a patient and bored expression. Sometimes, however, a nip on his hindquarters hastened his retreat and made it anything but stately. But as a rule, he managed to maintain a dignity that was almost solemnity. He ignored her existence whenever it was possible and made it a point to keep out of her way. When he saw or heard her coming, he just got up and walked off. Oh, there was much in other matters for White Fang to learn. Life in the Northland was simplicity itself when compared to the complicated affairs of Sierra Vista. First of all, he had to learn the family of the master. In a way, he was prepared to do this. As Mitza and Klukuch had belonged to Grey Beaver, sharing his food, his fire, his blankets, so now at Sierra Vista belonged to the love master all the denizens of the house. But in this matter, there was a difference, many differences. Sierra Vista was a far vaster affair than the teepee of Grey Beaver. There were many persons to be considered. There was Judge Scott. There was his wife. There were the master's two sisters, Beth and Mary. There was his wife, Alice. And then his children, Wheaton and Maud. Toddlers of four and six. There was no way for anybody to tell him about all these people and of blood ties and relationships he knew nothing whatever and would never be capable of knowing. Yet he quickly worked it out that all of them belonged to the master. Then, by observation, Whenever opportunity offered, by study of action, speech, and the very intonations of the voice, he slowly learned the intimacy, the degree of favor they enjoyed with the master. And by this ascertained standard, White Fang treated them accordingly. What was of value to the master, he valued. What was dear to the master was to be cherished by White Fang and guarded carefully.
Thus it was with the two children. All his life he disliked children. He hated and feared their hands. The lessons were not tender that he learned of their tyranny and cruelty in the days of the Indian villages. When Wheaton and Maud had first approached him, he growled warningly and looked malignant. A cuff from the master and a sharp word had then compelled him to permit their caresses. Though he growled and growled under their tiny hands, and in the growl there was no crooning note. Later, he observed that the boy and girl were of great value in the master's eyes. And then it was that no cuff nor sharp word was necessary before they could pat him. Yet White Fang was never effusively affectionate. He yielded to the master's children with an ill but honest grace, and enduring their fooling as one would endure a painful operation. When he could no longer endure, he would get up, stalk determinedly away from them. But after a time, he grew even to like the children. Still, he was not demonstrative. He would not go up to them. On the other hand, instead of walking away at the sight of them, he waited for them to come to him. And still later, it was noticed that a pleased light came in his eyes when he saw them approaching, and that he looked after them with an appearance of curious regret when they left him for other amusements. All this was a matter of development, and took time. Next in his regard, after the children, was Judge Scott. Now there were two reasons, possibly, for this. First, he was evidently a valuable possession of the masters, and next, he was undemonstrative. White Fang liked to lie at his feet on the wide porch when he read the newspaper from time to time, favoring White Fang with a look or a word, untroublesome tokens that he recognized White Fang's presence and existence. But this was only when the master wasn't around. When the master appeared, all other beings ceased to exist so far as White Fang was concerned. White Fang allowed all members of the family to pet him, make much of him, but he never gave to them what he gave to the master. No caresses of theirs could put the love croon into his throat, and try as they would, they could never persuade him into snuggling against them. This expression of abandon and surrender, of absolute trust, he reserved for the master alone. In fact, he never regarded the members of the family in any other light than possessions of the master. That's where we're going to pop it off for tonight, and we will pick up this chapter and wrap it out. Coming up on our next stream on Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday. All right. Hey, a whole bunch of great links in our show notes tonight. Be sure and check them out. Of course, all of our sponsors who love to hear from you. And right at the top of the list, you will see Jay Sheldon Show Merchandise. You can check that out. And our unique AI gallery. I know we were bashing AI earlier. I told you, I use AI myself for some stuff. But this is very cool. It's a Jay Sheldon Show AI gallery. You can 
buy some of our artwork. They're limited edition pieces. I've signed all of them. And check it out. It's the second link in our show notes. Finally, one little small ask right over here in the corner is a follow button on Rumble. Please hit that button. We really appreciate it a lot. It really does help the show. I will see you again Wednesday. This has been The Jay Sheldon Show. Good night, everybody.